0: go man how are you
1: i'm all right i'm all right thank you very much how are you it's freezing isn't it
0: it's freezing so we're recording this on tuesday the 9th of january and yesterday we actually had a little bit of snow don't know That's if you right. saw that
1: yeah yeah i was driving to uni actually and i saw i thought it's just like raining at the start but then i looked closer and i was like oh it's snowing let's go But it didn't look like a thing that's going to settle and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. So like it was settling a little bit, but we we haven't been below zero yet. So well, Mm. not at least in the daytime. So yeah, unfortunately, it didn't settle. But you know what? Like today, okay, yeah, it's freezing, but it does look beautiful outside. And I did go for a run early and it's nice and sunny. So it's a little bit misleading, I think, the weather at the moment.
1: I totally agree with you. To me, this is the perfect weather. Like, it can't be better than this. Winter time, by the way. Yes, summertime, obviously, you'd prefer the heat. Well, obviously, not if it's a heat wave, but you'd prefer it to be warm and stuff like that. But to me, if it's like a winter, and th- this is, this for me is the perfect weather because it's like, it has that sunny effect to it. So it has that like brightness of the day, you see the sun, but it's also cold, but it's like chill. Like, it just feels so good to just walk as you said or even run.
0: Yeah, this is the this is the perfect winter weather. I think it's actually it's quite good when I'm running as well because because it's really freezing outside. Um I get less or I feel less overheated when I'm running and I feel like that lets me run faster because mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about getting really hot and sweating like I can feel the sweat, but because it's really cold outside, it's sort of my body doesn't feel as hot when I'm running, and so it just means I can push the pace a little bit, so i'm I'm also a fan of this weather,
1: yeah, to be fair, this is genuinely the perfect one for me on the way back from uni, I thought like, okay, like well, when my car was parked, when I was still in campus and stuff like that, I thought, okay, I'm gonna go back, and there's gonna be you know some snow covering the car, but nope, nothing,, nope. nothing. yep, nothing
0: well, it it did set for like an hour and then it just went.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I must have been, like I didn't see that hour, but like you sent me a photo. I think that was like when you woke up and, or stuff like that, or when you were just in your kitchen. So you just send me a photo of it. I'm like, oh, so it's it must be settling now. So by the time I get to my car, it should be even more than that because obviously I wasn't looking so I didn't know what it was what it looked like outside. Um, But yeah, no, by the time I went to the car, it was all gone. But as, you never know though, as you said, like we're experiencing minus minus literally minus degrees right now it's like minus two yesterday or minus three yesterday Um, yeah
0: i mean i mean um late at night and like early this morning i think it did hit the minuses right now it's it's three where i am
1: yeah okay yeah i don't know where it is right let me check it this is
0: making this is making me think about this making me think about christmas films which are set in december and how the aesthetic of them is a massive scam because we tend to always get snow in January. And I was looking on my camera roll the other day and I went back to January last year and because I was looking for the last time that we had heavy snow and it was towards the end of January. And again, this year, we're a week and a little bit into 2024 and we've already had snow, but we had zero snow in London during December. So Mm. Christmas films, the whole aesthetic, at least any set in London, it's a lie. There's no snow. There's never any snow. Yeah, honestly,
1: like, it's... I remember the last night... Well, obviously, it's not last year and stuff like that, as you said. But the last proper snow I remember was actually when we were still in Free and Barnet. I don't know if you remember that. It was year 11. Um, and the school were open one day when I was just walking to the bus stop. And it, it just, like... It was cool. The weather was cool. So not, nothing too cold. Like, it was like this, basically. But snow had already settled, and you could also see the sun. That that picture was just perfect. Like, I remember that. Like, every time I look back, I'm like, okay, that was so good. But then I remember, like, a day or two later, we were walking back as well, and the snow was literally up to, literally above my ankle, I think, in some places. I really? I think
0: yeah. I sort of remember this, but I remember it because I distinctly did not go in. Um Yeah. Because they give you, they give you that option. They're like, if you can make it in, come in. But if you can't, because there's too much snow or there's too much ice on the road, then yeah, I just, I don't think I came in because yeah, no,
1: you didn't go in.
0: It was too difficult, I think, to because I do live like twenty minute drive away. Um, yeah, I think we just couldn't get off our drive or something, um, which was which was great for me because I just stayed at home <laughs> and played video games. So yeah, no online
1: classes either. Did we have online classes back then? Like, did you have to do online?
0: Oh we were so lucky we were we were on the cusp of it but no we didn't have it i don't think i mean maybe zoom existed but um or like microsoft teams but no we didn't have to do it which was great
1: No, to be fair though like genuinely because of um the pandemic like a lot of doors opened in terms of education because i remember uh because it was towards the start of your uni and my uni and I remember you were telling me how this may be a shift in education in general, because sometimes there really is no need for like a student to travel like because obviously, especially at uni, like in schools, you don't really see it. But at uni, you'll have people traveling two hours just to get to get to the class and back. And sometimes you'll have like a one hour lecture or like a two hour seminar at uni. And that's it for the day
0: well yeah uh, think think about it at the at the face value on the base level like if you can do a lecture online and not to say that it's better to do this but if you can do a lecture online and you can run a seminar online is that not far more efficient i mean from the student's perspective and also i guess the lecturer's perspective they're saving money they don't have to travel now mm. in my opinion obviously i did my first i did my first year of uni online and in my opinion it was a worse experience than going in in person. Of course, there's just something different about interacting with people in person. It's a much better and a more, I think, fulfilling university experience. But in terms of education, it did. It did shift the goalposts because now you made it more accessible um, from anywhere, pretty much anywhere with an internet connection. So yeah, mm-hmm. it did. I mean, the pandemic did change it in that in that sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like, how could I describe it? It's like yes, I get what you mean. Going into uni is great interaction and everything. To me personally, I feel like if I'm, if I'm in an online class, um, for some reason I tend to listen better. Now that may be because obviously I don't have friends sitting next to me. I'm not distracted. Like I'm there to do that. Like I'm already at home, so I'm not thinking about going home. Um. I don't know but, but like then again like I lose concentration like 10 minutes into that uh, but still like I agree with you the interactions necessary but surely there's some hybrids you could do so for example with our lectures we have it where now they do both online and obviously you could attend the class and for some people when they only have one lecture in the day it's like a two-hour lecture and they have to travel for like two hours just to get there they'll just sit at home and join the online class instead yes it's not the same experience but it it does work. So that's probably something good we learned from the pandemic.
0: Yeah, I think um, in terms of that, I, I think people are still trying to figure it out, right? Because if you're someone who has one lecture, and let's say that lecture is at 5pm, it's two hours, and you take two hours to get to your uni, and you have the option to do that lecture online, then yeah, obviously... It's it's just much more convenient for, I think, everyone if you just do it online. Um, but people can exploit those loopholes. And I'm not sure yeah. if they're, if I can think of a solution to that right now. But this is something that's still in in its early days. I know that we're speaking about it as being a big thing during the pandemic. I'm sure online teaching was probably going on for years before that. But obviously, it's just become quite a quite a normalized thing since the the first coronavirus pandemic but in my in my opinion especially for like university i think it's just better to to have that experience in person because university is like a big it's like a rite of passage in terms of how you're how you're developing as an individual into an adult and you sort of want that experience you know on campus and meeting friends and what was frustrating about that first year online was you could barely make any friends because you know at the end of the day you were you were just in a class or a lecture with them for an hour and there wasn't really any interaction and when there is it was in like breakout rooms and those could be quite awkward. I remember for a lot of a lot of the time that people wouldn't even turn on their cameras and that still happens you know to an extent. Um, I'm I'm sure actually it probably it's probably uh, a much larger occurrence than i'm even thinking like i think the yeah. majority of people don't even turn on their cameras so yeah i think they're still figuring it out um but yeah i would always recommend the learning experience in person but they'll figure it out and it will be it will be optimal for everyone
1: yeah i agree i mean you never know maybe like the vr we talked about on the last episode like maybe that's the next step for education as well because Yes, obviously you've got sitting in front of a laptop and a phone but maybe vr can change that in a way make it more how can i say so you interact uh, you interact more with people and you talk more and it just makes it easier but you never know i'm sure it will have some education purposes
0: well i mean i'm just thinking now because you brought it up the the apple vision pro on the apple promo page um if you look through all the videos They've got one of them in a Teams meeting and it's really yeah. like interactive. It's like fa- it's like FaceTime, but it's like they're sort of there because it's 4K or whatever the, the resolution is. So, yeah, you can make it more, we, we use this word a lot last week, immersive, I guess, mm. more realistic. That's definitely an option. But then again, how accessible would that be, for example, with those headsets? Because they're quite expensive, aren't they?
1: Yeah, so maybe like 10 years from now, 15 years from now, it will be a lot more normalized. One day, man, one day. One day. Okay, should we talk about the first thing or somewhat of a breaking news over the last couple of days?
0: So, yeah, we want to talk about the Boeing 737 MAX 9. And we were debating um what flight this is, but we're going to go with Alaska Airline, right?
1: That's the one, Alaska Airline, yeah.
0: And yeah, so basically what happened was once this flight was over Oregon, um, its door plug, which is basically the space where an emergency exit would be in certain planes. It it blew out, didn't it? It blew Mm, out and it landed, it landed in the teacher's back garden. And (laughs) it's quite bizarre because thankfully no one, no one was injured or killed, but I mean, Jesus Christ. I don't, do you know how high this plane was? Well, it was 20 minutes
1: after takeoff so I assume it's as high as it goes.
0: That's just insane. How did yeah. no one get blown out of that hole because I mean it was it was depressurized wasn't it? It's yeah yeah. It's remarkable that that no one got injured. I know that um I think you sent me the the link from NBC News and I think it said that a little boy sitting near uh, the area where it blew out his t-shirt got ripped off yeah from the depressurization but it's i mean crazy. that's the most extreme thing that i've heard of course you know the article also says that it was a loud and terrifying experience and you can imagine that because i mean people like you for example you hate flying so i'm sure there was <laughs> h- how many passengers on there 100 100 plus passengers on there yeah. surely one of them hates and is scared of flying um so it must have been a horrible experience, but very thankful that no one got injured or or killed by that it's just a remarkable story really that that this could happen and that everyone's come back safe from it
1: yeah so as far as I know it took off from Portland to go to uh I believe it was California and 20 minutes into the flight the incident happened think about it thirty one thousand feet at least in the air at least it could go up to what like 45k and that happens, like as I as as I said, like and as you mentioned as well, there was this woman who said they just heard like a loud noise. They just heard like an explosion, obviously not an actual explosion, but as loud as that. And then they look back, and there's just like an air suction, not properly, but you could you could assume how first of all cold it would be to sit next to there, next to the place where the incident happened, how freezing cold it would be second as you said how much it's trying to pull you out um and also just the just the thoughts of oh my days i genuinely might get sucked out and just fly you literally go flying
0: it's like a scene out of an action film and even in a way a horror film it's a good point actually you were saying about how cold you would feel because you're so you're so high up there. I mean, the air pressure's very low. They had the uh, they had the oxygen masks on as well, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, that's again, that's like something out of a horror or an action film. Those oxygen masks falling straight down in front of you, literally. But I wonder, was it next to a seat? Because I saw the picture, but I couldn't really figure it out. I think it was next to a seat, or there was either a seat in front and behind it but if it it if there was if there was a seat there i mean how did that person not freeze to death think about it i mean it's it's probably taken them quite a while to land um Mm. and quite a while as in i don't know 10 to 30 minutes yeah if you're exposed and again think about how fast these planes travel if you're exposed for that long, yeah, there's got to be serious damage. But then again, it said that no one was seriously harmed, so mm. apparently not.
1: But yeah, as you said though, like you never know. Like maybe there's something that we'll find out later. But it's just terrifying, as you said, just the oxygen masks dropping, as you said, like from the top bit, from the top shelves. Like just that will make you think something's wrong. Now, obviously the the visually something wrong in this case like you could see half the planes missing well that's an exaggeration but you could see part of the planes missing and it's just terrifying like i personally am not as you mentioned i'm not the biggest fan of planes i do not think yes yes they are the safest way to travel but i have a lot of counter arguments for that um well why don't
0: why don't you get into them
1: yeah yeah i'll get into them for example
0: let's let's deconstruct them
1: okay let's do this let's do this okay i personally traveled on a plane a lot back when i was still living in iran i used to be on a plane at least twice a month a lot so i've i've been on planes a lot so and in iran they some places like you travel there's like very bad air turbulence so as a kid it could traumatize you like just going over that because the plane shakes so badly um Anyway, hear me out. Yes. Have I ever had a plane crash? No. Has there ever been a serious incident? No. But hear me out. They say plane is the safest way to travel. And that's true. If you look at the numbers of how many flights you have per day and how many incidents you have per, let's say, calendar year around the world. Um, But would you rather be, if I tell you, You can travel on a train. You can travel with a car. You can travel with a plane. All three of them are going to crash. Which one would you rather be in?
0: I would probably pick... I would say... I would say train. See,
1: now hear me out.
0: By saying
1: crash... A car crash could just be a motorcyclist hitting your mirror. Could just be a car bumping into your car. Could just be you hitting your door to another car. Could just be your curb and your wheels or whatever. Or it could also be a lorry driving over your car. Like, it could be all of these. Like, that's the definition of a car crash. Like, it could be all of this. Yes, there's the severe cases of, like, half the car's missing or, like, it's just like exploded and stuff like that. But a car crash could be any
0: of it. And if you look, or or a yeah. car crash could be the coffee hour podcast. Hmm. Obviously, Carry sure. on. <laughs> um,
1: but like it could be any of those. Like so, you wouldn't know. But yes, obviously, as as I said, it could be a serious car crash as well. But if you look in, like at the numbers, like out of. 10 car crashes that happen on a daily basis. How many of them are serious, Or out of a thousand, let's say, maybe like this two serious car crashes. The rest are like nothing. The rest are yes. You'll have like a bump. You'll have a dent. You'll have like a glass shattered. You'll have like one of your mirrors missing. Like one of these, like someone, do you have a scratch on your car? So any of these could be a crash. Now with a plane, when I say it's going to crash, you're not going to have a case where, oh, it's just going to be a scratch on the plane. No, every time it crashes, there's a very high chance of not everyone dying, but everyone getting severely injured from it. Same with trains. Like, there's no such a thing as, oh, it's just going to, like, have a dent on the side. No, most likely you'll leave with a broken bone at least because that force, if that force suddenly stops and you don't have your seatbelt on or what, Even if you do have your seatbelt on, the force could break your ribs. But, if not, there's a high chance of you're going flying.
0: So your point is that when you're comparing car crashes to train crashes and plane crashes, train and plane crashes usually have a high amount of fatalities in comparison to car crashes. That's right. But it's very obvious why that is because they travel at faster speeds and they get you to locations more efficiently and effectively. So, you sort of, you accept that risk. And to be honest, I mean, if we did look through the numbers, I'm sure, again, the amount of fatalities from plane crashes is really slim, I I would assume, compared to car crashes. And that's probably because there's less flights than car journeys, to be honest. But I mean, it is subconsciously, it's a risk that you take. But I think the numbers are so slim. Planes and trains are so safe nowadays. And they're always getting safer, I think. I'd like to believe yeah. that anyway. That's right. Yeah. That you, you would take that risk anyway.
1: Um. Well, yeah, you're right. Like, they are getting safer. Obviously, it wasn't probably as safe 100 years ago. But, um, yeah, like how could i describe it the the other issue with planes is like whenever i'm in a plane i feel like i am not in control of the plane obviously i'm not but when you're in a car and first of all if you're the driver then you're in control like to me i i believe in if you do something wrong you deserve the consequences like if i'm driving recklessly which by the way i never do um and then you crash. Fact check. Well, you fucking deserved it. <laughs> Fact check. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, if you drive recklessly and you crash, you deserve it.
0: But Yeah, but there's always those things that are outside of your control. Like, I don't know, the driver driving opposite you is, is a drunk driver and he, he smashes into the front of you. You can't control that. Or like you're on the motorway and a deer runs in front of your car you can't control that so you don't always have control
1: you don't but i mean it's things you can anticipate if you drive and you assume everyone on the road is going to crash into your car then you'll be careful about every vehicle that's near you that's around you that's going the opposite direction but my point is yes there's those unlucky cases where you can't do anything about it like if you're just driving and like I don't know like a rock hits the side of your car from like a mountain bit or something like that like that's out of your control that you can't see coming you don't see that coming or if your tire just explodes all of a sudden and you go flipping like you don't see those coming but yeah with trains it's like the matter of worst worst case scenario with cars you could i don't know obviously this is not advisor it's not a possible thing but like you see okay there's a crash i'm gonna jump out the car that's the worst worst case scenario to me if the plane's crashing you just have to sit there and wait for your wait to see what happens.
0: That's such a bleak image. Um I just want to say that they have they have taken this bizarre accident quite seriously and they've grounded 171 planes of the same type so that they can, you know, do the relevant safety checks. But yeah. So, since this has happened and we've we've established that you don't really like air travel, let's say you really needed to go to north america right from the uk that's right yeah how would you get there then that's true
1: like i'll probably still take the tra- uh, i'll probably have to <laughs> I you were take- gonna say the train there yeah i was gonna say the train yeah um i'll probably still go with a plane however if there was an alternative way for me to go there is i would not have taken that what what in the sea by you mean boats yeah see like it depends like that's if fucking I'm... worse. Come on,
0: <laughs> fuck but,
1: that. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's worse. No, no, I don't think that's worse. Yeah, you'll get seasick if that's that's what you're trying to say. You have
0: okay. You have even less control because the water does not give a fuck. That's true. That will just eat you whole if it wants to. Yes, it could eat the shit or the boat or whatever you're on.
1: And then Worst you drown. case scenario, and then you'll you just drown. jump in yeah i mean i guess you'll probably you you
0: jump in you just get eaten by some fish (laughs) okay let's think about it if a plane crashes you could die instantly that's right if you fall out of the plane you could die while you're falling but if it's a ship if it's a ship just being hit by a wave you're gonna drown Mm. you are if you are in the middle of the ocean it is highly likely that you will not survive if you are involved in a boat crash that's a good point That that, that is true. That's true you might that be the, fair, the best swimmer but there mm. just might not be anything for you to swim to for example that's true to be fair but that being said i'd actually
1: really like to be on a proper cruise ship like the ones that you stay there for a month or stuff like that
0: true but that's come on that's a completely different experience that's You're you're sort of for like a cruise ship, for example. You're there for the experience, whereas like for a plane, you're just there to travel. For a train, you're usually just there to travel. For a car, yeah, and you're usually just there to travel. So, but we're just talking about the experience of traveling from point A to point B. Would you choose a boat or a plane? Uh, a plane. There we go. But are you still? Do you still have a phobia of planes? But hear me out. choose the plane.
1: If I had the option to be the pilot of that plane, I would have picked it
0: with Then everyone's Everyone Everyone's doomed <laughs> on that flight.
1: Uh no, because see hear me out. The thing with a plane is yes the plane is safe, but you're not only trusting the plane, you're not only trusting the safety checks, which by the way, they, they said this plane is safe and it ended up blowing up halfway in the air uh,
0: uh yeah yeah i was gonna I, mean? I was just gonna bring you back there because you said the planes are safe and i was just thinking i'm not sure if this one is a hundred percent safe because some of the bolts were loose and apparently some of the other planes from the same fleet also have loose bolts so i'm not yeah, sure that's if they, what I mean if this specific one is safe but i mean that's just a manufacturing issue isn't it
1: Yeah, it's a manufacturing issue. And it's also the safety checks you do because you don't just check it when it's being built. You check it before every flight, after every flight, before every flight. You'll have, it has to pass the safety checks. Now, my point is you're not only trusting the engineering side of the things, which as an engineer myself, I should trust it. Um, Well, soon to be an engineer, I should trust it. But you're also trusting so many different people You're trusting the guy who's guiding your plane from the tower thing. You're trusting two pilots who they very well may have had a horrible day and want to end their life on the spot. You're trusting the people who checked the plane before before takeoff, um, and they ticked all the boxes. Okay, this is safe. What if the guys like just can't be bothered? This is final final plane. Just wonder if I can go home. Tick tick tick. Take off. Bang. Two minutes later, doors gone missing. Do you know what I mean? Like you're trusting that. Not only that, then you'll trust the other 200 passengers on the plane. What if one of them ran, and you you see this a lot on the news, where one of them just go crazy. They just want to go open the emergency door halfway in the air.
0: Yeah, I mean, what you're describing here is like a bunch of human errors, really. Yeah. So what happens then if your whole flight experience from the manufacturing of the airplane to the landing of the airplane to the safety checks to the flying of it what would what would you say if i said to you that all of that is done by ai instead i would do it you would, I would actually yeah and that's a good point i would trust the
1: ai more than i would humans in this case
0: what happens if the ai has had a long day it's the last flight <laughs> of the day it just wants to be done it just wants to go into sleep mode and it can't be uh, asked, and it just it just crashes you into a mountain.
1: Well, see, I'd like I I like an AI to take control, like as in the AI does the safety checks, the AI does all of that, as you mentioned. But there's still a pilot there in case it malfunctions.
0: But what happens if the pilot is just crazy and he just wants to jump out the emergency exit door? Like you still got that human error element there.
1: Yeah, but it's 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 much less because in a normal flight you'll have to have the pilot whereas in that you'll probably need a once every 200 300 flight in case something goes wrong
0: i mean i don't know enough about aviation but it would be cool i mean i haven't heard anything actually about ai driven planes have you
1: well i was listening to an interview with joe rogan and uh elon musk and they were talking about how would they be able to make planes firstly safer second um, so that there's less you know pollution and stuff like that because they use a lot of fuel by the way yeah. um, and Elon Musk was saying you could actually make electric planes now by that you eliminate a lot of the dangers that a fuel-based engine plane would require like a lot of it would be eliminated a lot of the risks Such as, you know, you know when they hit the ground and they explode, it's mostly because of the fuel, like its fire catches the fuel, it's gone. Obviously, if you don't have that, there's less chance of explosion in the first place. Uh, it's it just makes it safer. It just makes it much much safer. And he was saying that by doing electric planes, they could have a vertical landing and a vertical takeoff. So just like a helicopter.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. What how would that work though?
1: Well, you'll need engines that will rotate. So you see how your engines are facing in front? You'll need them to kind of you know like Tony Stark, like they'll go to the ground, like it powers the plane up, so it just goes up straight in a straight line like helicopters. And so
0: I can imagine I can imagine the lift off and the landing it's reminding me of a rocket though because I'm thinking what what I'm trying to think of is how how the plane would be designed aesthetically. Is it going to be a long tube that then goes up like a rocket? Like how would it work?
1: No so I think well obviously they didn't get into it so this bit I'm saying based of what I think is going to look like, but he was just saying, yeah, that's one thing they could do. If they make plane electrics, it takes up vertically lands vertically, because that being said, the most dangerous part of a flight is take off 10 minutes after that landing 10 minutes before that, that's the most dangerous part of the flight. The rest is literally AI controlled anyway. It's, uh, autopilot. Well, but, yeah, that,
0: uh, that does make sense because it's either, um, Gaining escalation or de-escalating, right?
1: Exactly, and when they want to when they want to land, it's usually like a 10 15 minute process where they slowly lose height, as you said, to land. Whereas if you're landing vertically, you'll just go. Oh, it's like a helicopter pad. You'll just go over the bit and you'll go down in a straight line. Now, how it would look, I'd assume it'd be. Imagine the same type of plane, but when it has the two jets at the back like it will have like jets on the wings as well and those jets are meant for like vertical heights so they'll either push air up and push the power up or they'll do it down so or whether it rotates or whether it has powers on both ends now obviously i'm just assuming i don't know if this is something that will work or not but
0: yeah well you're about to officially get your engineering bachelor's degree so why don't you why don't you put that to the test and you know there's we've clearly identified a space in the market Elon Musk has given you the blueprint of an idea i think you should <laughs> run with it
1: could do i mean to be fair before before we start the like before i start my third year i thought for your dissertation, you'll have to come up with something that you design yourself. That, that, that was my original thought. So I was thinking about it last year. And I don't know if I told you about this or not. But I was thinking, hmm, what if we make planes a bit safer? Now, how can we do that? So a lot of the issue comes from when they take off, usually like a bird or something flies, in, uh, like they just go into flies into the engine and the engine explodes. Like that happens a lot, like right after takeoff or near landing um there's obviously not a lot but that could happen
0: i can imagine it yeah and that's completely out of your control they do have a lot of the time when they're flying in air you have the risk of a bird strike which is when you have a big flock of birds who are migrating and they just they just fly straight into the engine straight into the uh or straight into the glass at the front where the pilots are sitting in the cockpit so yeah and that's just something that you you can't control
1: yeah, exactly. And I was thinking, hmm, let me design this thing, which this was my thought. Obviously, I had zero research into it. I put zero research into it. I just thought this was an idea. This was an initial idea. I was like, OK, what if you design this chip, which, you know, the things they advertise on TV that you kind of plug in and it's meant to keep the spiders away. It's meant to keep the flies away. That,
0: do you know what I mean? Uh, Ish, because I've never had one, but I have heard of them. Yeah.
1: I don't know what it is, but it's meant to sound like a signal or it's meant to be set at a frequency, which you either don't hear or you don't feel, but they feel it. So they won't come near that area. So I was thinking, what if you uh, have something like that, but on a plane, which will then cause the birds to not come near it. But then again, I don't even know if it's possible.
0: You will never know until you try.
1: That's true. That's true. Making that vertical so, plane and yeah.
0: Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna push this idea forward. You're gonna have that engineering degree soon. Put it to good use. Ah <laughs> uh, good do, good do. I was just thinking about all the times that I've landed in a plane and it's felt like we're about to die. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Just how rough the landings can be the worst bit is when you look out the window and you're like fuck where's the runway (laughs) you're you're looking out the window and you just see like you see a bunch of houses and you're like shit we're like 10 meters above the ground i'm fucked But, (laughs) but somehow the driver the the pilot pulls it off i don't know how they do it it is their job to be fair so it's good that they do do it and i'm yet to die uh from a flight experience but every time there's just that There's those those few seconds where you're like, this is the end. This is Yeah, I,
1: I agree with you, especially on my last one to Slovenia. Like, I never really looked out the window on my previous journeys to Slovenia. This time I looked out the window and because it's such a small town and the capital itself is kind of in between mountains and it's covered all around with like hills, mountains and stuff like that. And there's not a lot of houses and stuff like that. I just felt like we're going to crash into a mountain because it kept going low, but I couldn't see anything. Like I couldn't see a car. I couldn't see a road. I couldn't see a house. It was just up and down, up and down, uneven ground. I was like, this is it. That's it. We're dead. And it was so cloudy as well. You couldn't see anyway. It was just, you could just see the tip of the mountain and then it goes underneath the cloud. You'd see a flat ground. You'll see like an uphill, a downhill. Like, yeah, we're dead. That's it.
0: Perhaps it's the the pilot just testing themselves. Like for them, they're like, "I've had too many easy flights recently. I just need to. I need to go a little bit low on this one. I need to. I need to skim the mountain peak, up the challenge. Exactly. Yeah, could, yeah,
1: could be. Uh, yeah, could be. Fair enough.
0: This reminds me of a Denzel Washington film called Flight, where he's an alcoholic mm, pilot, yeah. and I think there's a bird strike, and he's been drinking that morning. By the way but sometime but somehow he just he does these amazing maneuvers no one dies he lands the plane and i think he loses his license because yeah he was drinking <laughs> on the job but that's not the point it's not the point guys he was prepared yeah, yeah. exactly and it's a fictional film saying. so it never happened don't worry
1: the question is if the limit to drive is 2 pints what's the limit to fly one glass of water <laughs> probably something like that
0: you got to stay hydrated, but you can't have any alcohol in your system. Come on.
1: Yeah, obviously. Of course, of course. We do not recommend. Uh, Speaking of alcohol, Uh should we move on to our first point, which is about you going to Camden Town and the Camden Town Market especially? My first question about it is, did you drink there? Did you go to the
0: pubs? I didn't, actually. I know you must be so disappointed, but I saw, (laughs) I saw the Camden town brewery. It looked good. There was, it was on Saturday um, and Mm -hmm. there was a football game on Sunderland versus Newcastle. So that was a big derby. Um, But we just decided, no, we're not going to do it because I think by the time that we had had lunch, it was late into the second half and we were only, we only really wanted to watch the football if we were going to get a drink. So we thought we'll just skip it. But next time I go, I will get a drink.
1: Oh, fair. So did you go with your parents?
0: No, I went with some friends, um, because we've been talking about it for quite a while. And we just thought, yeah, let's do it, because two of us hadn't been to Camden Town Market before. Uh we heard yeah. a lot of great things about it, specifically the food. When mm. I went there though, I did not realize that it would be so busy and so yeah. overcrowded. Like it's chaotic, yeah. It is chaotic, right? But mm. um I mean, when you get to the food market in the in the Camden, I think it's Camden Lock Market, it's just so many options, just amazing, and I want to go back there just to sample every single different stall.
1: Did you end up running into any weird person, any weirdo trying to ask for something or do something or just doing backflips?
0: I did not end up walking into any of those individuals. Um, but I mean, it's a very diverse place. You know, we had, I mean, on the bridge, for example, there were a group of punk rockers with like the spiky hair. Mm. They were chilling. They were vibing. But I was like, wow, I've never seen a punk rocker in person. So that was cool. Um, it is just like this multicultural pot of people that from from so many different places, it's quite remarkable to go there. And also, I would say majority of the people there are actually tourists, Um yeah, and that yeah, makes yeah. sense, actually, because you could imagine them planning their trip to London and then finding like an Instagram reel or a TikTok on this amazing market. But yeah, it was just populated by by so many different cultures and a lot of tourists, which is cool. I like that. You know, I have I've never been there before. And I sort of I embrace the chaos of it. And of course, like the shopping experience as well. Just just really cool. And I think one of my friends says said that the there really is something for everyone there. And it's quite true. If you haven't been before, like there is so many shops, so many different shops that I think, you know, whatever it is you're into, you will find something for that. Yeah, I agree. And with
1: those people, you said like the rock people and stuff like like the rock band. I don't know if, if obviously they were just standing there or not, but usually sometimes they'll play live music there as well. Like they'll just bring their instruments, like they'll set it up and they'll start playing music. Which is quite cool. Uh but yeah, I agree with you. I think it's just a case where as you said there's there's a thing for everyone there, there's something to do. And it's just it gives you I don't want to say cultural vibes, because see, yes, there's there's this thing with culture where when you go to like some places it's like a cultural place like it gives you like i don't know whether it's a holy vibe whether it's just like their specific type of architectural work their specific type of buildings church mosques whatever but this feels like a cultural wise but when it cultural place when it comes to humans so it feels like you go there and there's all these people from different so it doesn't necessarily have a unique structure or or a unique uh, architectural work or a unique road or whatever but it just has all these unique people with different beliefs different you know different looks different everything like their mindset's so different 100 percent. and they're all there and they all can it just works it all works none of them is fighting each other it's just it all works
0: yeah it was like i was trying to say that it's i figured out the word now it's a cultural melting pot of all these Mm. different people and if you you know even before you get to the main bit of the market and there's there's the old lock market which is really cool and you you know you go you go like sort of underground in a way and there's also the the modern market on the right but you know that all the stalls for example and before you get there just walking down the main street which is incredibly chaotic because there's so many different people but if you look at like the shop fronts for example it's just like you can identify, oh, that is related to that culture. So they have something for for that group of people. Oh, that's a different culture, for example, just the way it's painted, just the way it's styled. So, yeah, I found it really cool. Um, not an overwhelming experience, definitely a chaotic experience. But now that I know what it is and how it is, I think, um, yeah, when I, when I go back there again, it will be an even better experience.
1: Well, I actually have a reason to go there now because... Uh... I remember seeing this Instagram reel, which it's there's this famous place which sells strawberries with chocolate. I think you sent me that actually.
0: Yes, ZZ. um yes, you sent me that. But that's not Camden Market, is it?
1: Is it not in the Camden Market? No, I think it's in the Camden Market. I
0: thought it's Borough Market. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's the one. Ah, like a. There's probably something like that in Camden Town as well.
0: Surely. Well, yeah, I was going to say to you, there, there is. It it didn't look as good as that real. Um, mm-hmm. But there was, yeah, there was a stall that were doing strawberries and melted chocolate on it. Yeah. Did you get it? I didn't. I didn't because I'd just eaten. I went to this place called, I think, Bun, and it was yeah. Greek food. It was a Greek store and it had, you know, like feta cheese, um, fr- uh, chicken, some herbs, Mm -hmm. some onions, some other stuff in it. And I just had that with some paprika fries. And so Yeah, and so I was full. I didn't I didn't need any strawberries.
1: Speaking of paprika fries, this is directed to the pub called The Bohemia in North London, North Finchley, N twelve. If you're listening and you're the owner of that pub or you're someone who works at that pub bring back the paprika fries yeah sorry
0: to cut you off please please bring them back because these (laughs) ones these ones were good but they were nowhere near as good as those ones at bohemia so if you are listening and you work at bohemia or you own bohemia or you work for the london brewing company please put the paprika fries back on the menu because we just want them okay they're just very good they improve our life they improve our experience going to the pub and life is just a little little worse without them
1: i i agree we tried so many different ways to try to get them back like i remember the first time they renovated it we went we asked them they didn't have it and then you said so your brother's going so you yep. told him to then tell them so we tried hopefully they they bring them back at some point speaking of foods i discovered this new burger place uh i was with my girlfriend and we wanted to go we wanted to go get food and there was this place called Cheat Meals. I don't know if you're aware of it or not. Oh, okay. So, so it's it's another American franchise. Yeah. It looks like a knockoff version of Five Guys. Like if you walk past it, it looks like, oh, they're trying to be Five Guys. Yeah. And they are trying to be Five Guys. Like the way they serve their food, how they'll have their burgers wrapped in that foil thing, or just the shape and the look or whatever. It looks like Five Guys, like the design, red and white yeah so you'd assume it's going to be bad now it's as expensive as five guys so i don't know why you're trying to fake being five guys well because i first i thought okay this is going to be a knockoff version you'll go in there it's going to be like a five pound per burger and that's it yeah because they're trying to look like five guys it's as expensive as five guys and you get much less food so the burger is like just a burger itself is like it's nine pounds i think and but it's you know the one pound burgers from mcdonald's like the tiny ones
0: i know of them but i've never had one but i know what you mean it's yeah.
1: smaller than those oh no so the normal like cheeseburgers from those it's smaller than those it's literally smaller than those just one patty but... is
0: is this a negative review then because i thought this was going to be positive
1: hear me out
0: oh okay this
1: might have been the best burger i've ever had in my life oh wow in terms of the taste, it was a. It was like Five Guys, but with more flavor. It genuinely was like Five Guys. Everything was like Five Guys,
0: but with more flavor. But we have spoken about this before, not on the podcast, but we have spoken about Five Guys, how, how it's so good. But you could say the one negative about it is that the beef patty is not flavorsome enough.
1: Exactly. But
0: I feel, and before you, you go on about your burger and why it's so good. But I feel that the five guys one, you've got all those other elements. You know, if you have your cheese topping, your bacon, your fried mushrooms, for example, you have all these other elements that bring the flavor. And just because the texture of the meat is so well cooked as well, that it doesn't actually matter. But go on.
1: Uh, I actually agree with that. Plus with five guys, the quality of the beef is so high that you'll just enjoy it because if it has all these flavors all these seasonings uh yes it will taste good but you won't actually necessarily feel the quality of the beef. like if you just take the part of the patty and just eat it by its own it doesn't have any flavor to it but the quality is just so good and it's so fresh Agreed. You'll no it's not like a frozen thing but with this one so it actually didn't have as much toppings it only had lettuce and grilled onion that's it like it only had these two uh obviously tomatoes as well but i i didn't put that in um and the burger sauce and stuff like that um it it was so good though like that it was amazing like i don't know how to describe it the only issue with it is it's not worth it
0: so why is it not worth it though is that just because of the portion size
1: yeah because like you're paying like nine pound with fries it's like 11 pound 12 pound for that portion size but i could easily have three of those four of those and then i'm cool That's,
0: yeah but listen here's the thing though it's got you talking about it because the burger quality was so good so yes in terms of food portion size perhaps it's not worth it but i mean you're still thinking about it do you know what i mean so i i guess yeah. in that way it balances itself out i i mean naturally then i need to ask where where was this place
1: so we went to holloway road it was somewhat near islington it was there, but there's one in Kilburn as well. And it is what, there's actually one in Camden Town as well, like near Camden Town. Ah, very but, good. Yeah, so if you just search up Cheat Mills, it comes up. Like, the, as I said, if you just look at it, if you genuinely just search, search up Cheat Mills London, like you, you'll feel like this is like a knockoff Five Guys. But I do not understand why did they, they did that, as it's, it's very similar pricing to Five Guys.
0: Well, I'm now going to keep it on my radar. So if I ever do see. Is it called again cheat meal? Cheat meals, yeah, that's it. If I ever see one, I'm definitely going to try it out. But I need to ask you because you've said before we came on air that you have been to Camden Town Market as well. So I guess I want to know, yeah, what was your experience whenever you went?
1: Now, I went to Camden Town Market a few times. One of them was, and I believe the last time I went, it was with my mum. And it was nearly with my mum and some of her friends. Yeah. And it was nearly four years ago. No, maybe I went after that as well, but it wasn't like a case of me exploring. It was just like me walking through it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the last time I went, I went with Toga. And I think it was a case where we had, we went to a boxing event. Uh, it was the London Championship development. So I was just watching the, my captain fight, uh, the captain of the club I go to, like the boxing gym I go to. I was just waiting for his fight to come up uh there was the interval so we had some break and it was right next to the camden town market so me and toga said okay well let's go get lunch uh might as well just walk about see what we're gonna do uh we started walking around in camden town you'll see all these beautiful artworks and the way they design the walls and it just looks beautiful as as you said it's like so diverse we just walked through it was so packed but it's never the but the difference do you know what the difference is you know like in underground when you go rush hour like it's packed people trying to get out of there like yeah everyone's like bumping into you everyone's trying to smudge you in like it's just it's it's different like in camelotown everyone's taking the, taking their time everyone's enjoying it like you'd like you'd like it it's busy but you like that yeah exactly. it wouldn't be the same if it's empty
0: everyone is not in a rush everyone is is taking it in and everyone more importantly is is going towards the market whereas you know if you're if it's rush out on the tube everyone's trying to get on the tube so yeah I, I know what you mean so when you did go there for for the lunch break did any of the food stand out to you did you do you remember what you got or not to really be
1: fair, yes yes i think we went but it was where every place we wanted to act like every place that looked appealing looked packed like some places had a queue outside like a proper queue outside I don't know if there was an event that day or whatever i
0: think no i think that's normal i I did see some queues for some of the food stalls as well
1: oh okay okay then that that must be normal then as you said um but every place was literally packed so we were like okay we want to get back quickly because we wanted to go through these places and have food there but we also had to go back and watch the fights so we just ended up getting like food from i think costa or starbucks
0: Oh no, how disappointing. Yeah. Because you it know was, what it was bad. You know what I was thinking with these street markets, every now and again, and I'm maybe it's true with Camden as well, these really famous ones, you have you have like a Michelin Michelin Star street stall. Do you know what I mean? Yeah these things yeah, yeah, do yeah. exist. And I was trying to I haven't looked into it yet. I will look into it after, or I can look into it now actually, whether or not there's a Michelin Star street stall at Camden Town Market. Because I mean some of the food, just the smells was incredible. And I just love that. Just I love that vibe. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. It's and sometimes as you said, yeah, you'll genuinely find that, oh, this is perfect. Like you'll genuinely find that every once in a while. Um uh, But I don't know, like Camden Town is good. I don't know if you can make bookings in these restaurants because they don't obviously they're not restaurants, as you said, it's just like food stools, like but the queue is crazy that
0: you never know i really i don't think you can i mean in terms of restaurants in the main food stall area i think there was one but it it just looked like people turning up and queuing outside so what what you usually do is you just go there you have a look around you either queue or you don't for your for your food from your food stall and then you wait like five minutes and then you just try and find somewhere to sit but again it's so packed that there's not really anywhere to sit because everywhere is already taken do you know what i mean yeah i am just searching it up right now by the way
1: Uh, a weird thing about michelin stars by the way uh michelin company itself is a very famous tire company for cars i know it's that and it's crazy like what does that have to do with restaurants being good? now i've heard one people some people say oh it's it's the case where they used to advertise their brand, and they used to say, "Oh, this this restaurant's so good, you should travel there." Use and if you have our own tires, like you'll get discounts and stuff like that. But do, you, do you
0: know what like my that? theory is? And by the way, I so I just googled if there's any Michelin star street food stores in Camden, and I don't believe mm-hmm. there is. But my like. theory on why you know it, it why is why is it a Michelin thing um, is because. I think they used to create maps or road routes and I think the idea was sort of similar to what you said where there would be really good restaurants on the way and so it was like joint partnerships and they'd just be like Mm. well I I don't think it was explicitly like use Michelin tires but you know they they created the map anyway so it's sort of like oh you're you're on the Michelin route for example and then it sort of became it's, it's it's become something completely different I think but yeah i mean it's it's certainly uh it's certainly an interesting evolution from from where that company's come i mean they still make tires as well by the way yeah
1: it's meant to be the best tires as well it's interesting like even my boxing boot is in collaboration with michelin tires
0: your boots yeah
1: the boxing boots i wear
0: really is that to do with the quality of rubber is that why
1: yeah, so the bottom bit is from Michelin Tires where it's meant to have this grip. So your shoe sticks to the canvas, which it does, by the way. It's really good. Oh, that's very cool. Well, it's not, so. it's not from Michelin. Like, it's, yeah. you don't go to Michelin to buy it. But the tire bit is collaborated. Like, it's from Everlast and then in collaboration with Michelin. So they have that little human thing. Not human. That, like, Baymax-looking thing on it. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's really cool. So yeah. shall we move on to talking about... We just had the Golden Globe Awards on the past Sunday night, and I wanted to talk about the relevant winners to films and TV shows that we've talked about for the past 10, 11 weeks. So should we get yeah. into it?
1: Let's get into it. Let's I mean, go.
0: It's, not, it's not a big section to cover, to be fair. I'm just going to read off the relevant winners. So mm-hmm. first one is a TV show that you are currently watching, and I think you might have finished. You might not have. You can tell me um but that is beef so beef picked up it. you have finished it very good yeah. so beef picked up three awards out of three nominations which is very good it picked up best performance by a female and male actor in a limited series and also best limited series so very happy to see that happen now that you've finished beef what is your thoughts on that do you think it's deserving of that award did you enjoy it
1: I think it's deser- uh, it deserves it. Like, obviously, it's over the show. Oh, as for the things about last year, and I, I believe it came out, what, like halfway through twenty twenty three. Well, that's what I was just end.
0: thinking. It came out, no, it came out like April time. So this show has had legs, you know, to, yeah. to sustain itself and still be the best limited series in terms of what this award show thinks. I mean, almost, well, how many months is that? Eight months later... I mean, yeah, it's had legs. It, it's it's really stuck in people's minds, so I think that's just a testament to its quality.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like the show was honestly amazing.
0: I personally would have
1: preferred if it if the ending was at episode nine. Now, I don't know if you remember what happened at the end of episode nine. So that's one episode before the actual final episode.
0: Without without spoilers, and you just say yes or no here. At the end of episode nine, does that take place at a mansion?
1: yes but it's more so
0: or is it in like a desert area yes yes just
1: before that bit
0: okay Yeah. yeah yeah i don't clearly remember it but i think i i think i was satisfied with the way it ended is what i would say i don't i don't clearly remember remember the ending which is not the best way to sell this show uh considering we've been gloating about it for weeks but yeah i did enjoy it
1: yeah yeah I honestly it was an amazing show like it does deserve every everything it got uh great casting great acting the acting, everything was yeah. good in it acting was amazing
0: well ali wong and steven yun i think she was she was the best part of it actually but they were both she was really good they were both very good yeah
1: yeah they were amazing uh the guy in the relationship <laughs> It reminded me of a certain individual i think but... i know who
0: you mean <laughs>
1: yeah but it was good i really enjoyed the show i really enjoyed it as i said i watched it with my girlfriend so we used to watch it on uh like we tried to watch it in sync but yeah it was good i enjoyed it like i don't know if there can be a season two as he says a limited show so there probably won't be a season two but if there is i'd rather it be on a different set of characters because this kind of had its conclusion
0: yeah, I think let's let's think about it. If you did a season two, why not take a similar concept but with completely different characters in a completely different location? But again, like I don't think it needs a season two. I'm happy with how it's ended. And I will go I will look back and I will go, yeah, that's a really good show and I can recommend it to people. It doesn't need a season two. Do you get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like this is one of them ones like one of the other shows which I really watch and I like, I personally love it when the shows give out the season two, season three, like they extend it. But one of the shows I watched and I say, okay, that's perfect. This should be as it is Was Bodyguard. Six episode, perfect show.
0: Agreed. I think they were at one stage because it was so successful for the BBC. I think they were looking into a season two. And yeah, they were. Perhaps they, perhaps they did write a script for it. But I think thankfully that, that never took off. So yeah, Bodyguard, again, that's just a limited series. And that's because really... The show ended and also it made Richard Madden, I I don't I guess. Yeah, like a superstar. I mean, he's he's a brilliant actor. Um, But yeah, that that was a show that didn't need a season two. And and it's very good because of that, because they contained the story.
1: Agreed. Yeah, that show was amazing.
0: So let's move on to talk about a film then that we've been talking about recently and which also took home a lot of awards at the Golden Globes, five in total. And that is Oppenheimer. So Oppenheimer, I mean, unsurprisingly, it won Best Motion Picture, Best Director, Best Original Score, Best Performance by a Male Actor, and Best Supporting Performance by a Male Actor. I mean, I spoke about this, I think, two episodes ago, you know, what was the best film that I saw released in 2023? And I said it was Oppenheimer. I said it was a film that I think you'll look back on the decade and you'll say that's one of the best films and the most important films of the decade and I think deservingly so, albeit I haven't seen all the nominees and all the films in these award races. But I think out of the ones that I did see, I think Oppenheimer was the best. I think it was the best directed. And so I think, yeah, I think it's deserving of this award. So I was very happy to see that. Yeah, I mean,
1: once again, I still haven't seen Oppenheimer, but all the hype around it just just proved that it does deserve it and as you said by the end of the decade if you look back this is probably one of the highlights when it comes to the movie industry still still on the minecraft version though i'm still on that minecraft version of it uh but i'll finish it like i'll start it i'll eventually start it and finish it i know it's a good good movie and obviously with oppenheimer it was something you expect anyway like with beef i'd say Yes, three awards was somewhat surprising considering it came out in April. It doesn't necessarily have that uh, top of the food chain casting. Like, yes, the casting's perfect, but it doesn't necessarily have the name which sells or it doesn't have the name which draws people to watch it. Um, But with Oppenheimer, obviously, it's from Christopher Nolan. That already is a big selling point. Like... As If you know Christopher Nolan, you know he doesn't do a bad film. And the casting, once again, it has those big draws. It has the names, which makes people want to come back and or come and watch. But then again, it's like it doesn't necessarily have to be them for it to be this successful. Like it could have just been anyone it probably would have been as successful because
0: it's a big historic
1: event, as you mentioned.
0: That's true. And you know what the best part is? The best part is that. All the winners, I feel, all the main winners pretty much across the board have been deserving. Like, mm. look at Best Actor. I think Killian Murphy was incredible as J. Robert Oppenheimer. I think Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss was incredible. I think it's the best performance of his career. I think in Beef, I think Stephen Yin and Ali Wong were fantastic as those two characters. And if you look at other shows, if you look at Succession that won a bunch of awards for its final season, deservedly so, because that's been one of the best shows of the past decade. I think if you look at The Bear, which I've only seen season one, but again, that won a lot of awards and that's an incredible show. Apparently season two is even better. So it's like, it's this case where I think the first time in quite a few years with the Golden Globes specifically, they've actually awarded the right people which is just nice yeah. to see. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and as you said, obviously I haven't seen Oppenheimer, but I'm sure it's the performance is going to be, at, because I can compare it to Beef now, I'm sure the performance is going to be as good, if not better, than how they performed in Beef.
0: Well, you have seen the best version of Oppenheimer, as Christopher <laughs> Nolan intended, which is Minecraft Oppenheimer on your iphone screen so you say you haven't uh, seen it but you sort of have do you know what i mean yeah but you do, watch, like, seriously a on clips. a serious note on a serious note you need to get around to it and watch it i will watch okay
1: okay hear me out we're on episode 11 right before we get yes, to we episode 15 i will watch oppenheimer so before we get to that point I will give you my review latest by episode 15.
0: Well, okay, so you've got four weeks to go out and buy the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray of Oppenheimer. (laughs) Exactly. And
1: that's actually one thing we're going to talk about. It's a perfect transition. Now, what's the point of collecting the physical disc and the physical films, games, music, whatever it may be?
0: I think the point of it is two main things. I think, firstly, it's about creating a collection and being proud of it. And I think, secondly, for, you know, your films, your games, your music and your television, it's about owning the best format of that TV show that you've created. Because let's say, for example, you watch Oppenheimer, me and you watch Oppenheimer and we rent it from the iTunes store well it was that's not the best format of watching it people such as Christopher Nolan the director the producers have spent a lot of time creating a version of it let's say it's 4k ultra HD blu-ray where you have the superior experience and it and it fully realizes their cinematic vision so Mm. I would say the argue the argument for owning the physical copy of these media items is just to to own the best version of it available as intended by the creators but also you know it's a it is a collecting thing for example so a lot of people and even myself with like PS5 games I like to genuinely own the physical copy instead of a digital one just because I, I like having it and I think it looks nice on display do you get what I mean but I know there are cons to it as well.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to get into as well. Like, obviously, right now I'm not collecting any of these physical discs and stuff like that when it comes to movies. When I was a kid, that was just a vibe, having all these different DVDs, having to put it in the DVD player, and then you press play. It was just a different vibe than going on Netflix, like, playing the thing. Same with games. Like, as you mentioned, it's a different vibe when you – it's the same game, But when you have the digital version it's different than having the physical version not that you're going to ever use the actual thing but just having it there the visuals different
0: i guess it comes down also to the personality of the person um and whether they they are proud and they want to display these as a collection for example because of course you know if you collect everything i mean If you go back to your childhood, you talk about, you know, DS games, PS3 games, Xbox Mm. 360 games, normal standard DVDs. If you collect all of them, it takes up a ridiculous amount of space, right? So I think in a way you do have to be careful there. But in terms of like, we take Blu-ray, 4K, Ultra HDs, for example, they are the ultimate format of, Mm -hmm. of film and television, and they have been for a substantial amount of time, whereas... You know, if you've got a DVD collection, I mean, each to their own, but you know that there are better versions. There is Blu-ray and there is 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray. So it just goes up a level. I think also with games, there is that argument, well, okay, a PS5 collection can look really nice. And, you know, the game covers are much nicer than, let's say, in my opinion, they're much nicer than like a PS2 game. But again, like one day there will be a next-gen console. It might be a PS6. And so then... What do you do with those PS5 games? Do you know what I mean? But I think personally, from a standpoint, I am I'm moving more in favor of collecting and owning physical media because I just think it's uh, I I like that collection element, and I think it's also superior to digital versions.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, the same. What what you do with them? Yes, they'll take they'll take a lot of space if the next gen console comes and stuff like that. But, like, down the line, maybe when there's like a PS10 that comes out, and then you have like the visuals of all these games, they look different, the cover's different, the shape is different. And then you look back down at the PS5 one and you think, oh, back in the day, this used to look so clean. Like, this used to be so neat and like futuristic and clean. But now it's like nothing compared to like a PS10 game. PSX, yeah, I'm, you. I'm predicting it. They're not going to call it PS10, PSX. Oh, definitely. Uh, Definitely, they would do that. Yeah, hundred percent. PSX. That actually kind of goes. PSX.
0: I don't even want to think about that. Come on, man. We're on PS (laughs) Five. Let's stick with it. But you know, I was just thinking. Actually, over over last year, two of the biggest games of the year was Baldur's Gate Three and Alan Wake Mm Two. And as far as I'm aware currently or at least at their release neither one you could get a physical copy of they were both digital download which is quite interesting that's weird because i guess if you think about it from a game developer standpoint it's just cheaper to release it that way because you don't have to manufacture the disc Mm -hmm. and, and the case and whatnot then again i also know Baldur's Gate 3 was this overwhelming success it won game of the year at the game of the year awards and because of that, they're now releasing a physical copy. So, I mean, there's there's the flip side of it, that if something is so successful, then people do want to own that physical copy of it. But, yeah. I mean, that's just something I think to keep an eye on as we, as we move forward, that things are becoming more digital. But I think people do like, they just like having that physical copy of things. I agree with that. I
1: mean, to be honest with you, it's just, as you literally mentioned, it's the case where, it's just always good to have it, especially with games and like shows and stuff like that. There's a lot of times where you may have multiple accounts on PlayStation, now you have it both on one account, now you don't have it on this account, so you have to log back out, log back in, whereas with the desk you'll just insert it and you'll have it and it's all that.
0: That's a very good that's a very good point. And just sorry just to cut in here, yeah. but <clears throat> Christopher Nolan, and we brought him up a lot because of Oppenheimer, um, <laughs> he did make a very good point in defense of physical media recently where he said that once you own it you do own it they cannot take it away from you whereas if you're watching something digitally let's say through your netflix netflix subscription well they might lose the licensing for that tv show or film and you no longer have it or even stuff Mm. that you rent you know and it goes in your digital library i think there was a case with ps5 recently where there was a certain tv show that people had own in, owned in their digital library and they still removed it these people had paid for these episodes and they still removed it so if you own the physical copy no one can take that away from you
1: i agree this is somewhat back to the one of the first points we made this episode it's like going into a physical lecture and having like the digital zoom version a bit Like, yes, you'll get the thing both ways, but it's just a different, it's just a different level of comfort and going in. Uh, And it's the same with this. It's just a different level of comfort. Like you say, oh, let's go, let's travel to a cabin in the middle of nowhere. We'll have no access to internet. Now, good luck fucking logging into Netflix to be able to watch your shows. Right. Uh, Whereas you'll just take a disc, you'll just have a DVD player. You put it in, you'll watch whatever you want to watch
0: perfect in my opinion that is so idyllic that's so perfect
1: yeah literally i mean to be fair now it somewhat gives me the vibe of um because one of the movies we were talking about a lot leave the world behind there's a scene where it's an underground bunker and stuff like that and i in that that movie a lot of movies where it's like a post like apocalypse thing yeah you'll have like a bunker and they'll have like a bunch of dvds like why don't they have netflix why don't they have this is the netflix this is the password this is cool
0: reason exactly this exactly. is rich people's netflix they have the physical exactly. thing
1: now the pricing is different though we need to talk about that because i remember we went to bath and at that point you were looking actually getting the oppenheimer 4k dgt uh dvd, DVD yeah uh so th- did you end up getting that
0: I didn't because, I mean, so in all honesty, I I am planning at some point starting a 4K Ultra HD collection. But the way that me and my partner are going to do it is we are going to get all the Marvel films. So it sort of just makes sense to have them. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it makes sense because this is an ongoing saga of films. And we just think it's a cool thing to have. If you have like 30 30 different films in, in order, you have this incredibly long line of storytelling whereas if if i go out and even though i want to for example go and get like oppenheimer then i just sort of ruin the collection because i've got all these different dvds but who knows it might happen one day but you're right in terms of pricing i think oppenheimer was 20 25 pound for the 4k ultra hd for example so they they are expensive
1: yeah also it's also for thoughts that you'll have to actually have a 4k tv in order to be
0: able to get
1: the maximum outcome but most that people do these yeah. days yeah most well people it says DVDs, say,
0: so. it's it actually tells you which one uh, on the back of these uh dvds they tell you which you know what box is the most optimum to get what tv i think it's 4k hdr tv it says for the best experience so mm. yeah it tells you which one to get but i was just thinking actually something that i'd love to get one day is the full game of thrones 4k ultra hd box yes yes
1: we're cool. actually talking about that as well that's amazing think about it and it's so th- so for people who haven't seen it literally just searched up on google
0: this I'm, is so I'm thick. I'm doing it now. Anyway, I'm looking now. I think, and it's also expensive though. How much is it? I believe so. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's a hundred pounds on offer. But yeah. let me let me check on HMV, which we actually we went to in Bath the other week. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so, so a question: When you get these DVD ones, you see how with games when you get the, the desk version, you'll have this. I don't know like a unique thing in the box whether it's just a random QR code whether it's just like the map of the game you're going to play or like a character sticker does does anything come with movies besides from the actual disc in the movie yes
0: yeah, so you do get loads of bonus features whether that is you know uh walking through the production design and how they came up with a certain style like a making of documentary which in itself is a movie so you you do have loads of special features and that's another reason why why you should get them i think if you are a big fan of film um hold on let me i'm still searching this up by the way
1: i'm gonna are you looking at the game of thrones one yeah i'm gonna say it will be around 70 pounds 75 pounds i think it'll be around that I think it, there's options where you could get it with like figures and stuff like that. And it comes with like pop figures and stuff like which. I mean, it's cool. But then again, it it's not necessary. Okay,
0: So Game of Thrones, the complete series, the complete collection. Yeah. What is your guess? £70. £159.99.
1: You're kidding. Nope. So
0: that's every season, every episode. That is all eight seasons. Plus you get bonus features, I believe
1: wow that that's a lot
0: yep you get the the reunion special which is a two part reunion show you mm-hmm. get game of thrones the last watch which is a documentary of creating the final season and you get some animated uh extras which is an animated history of the seven kingdoms so if you're interested in westeros and you also get deleted and extended scenes but over eight seasons worth of them so that's a lot of bonus content yeah yeah exactly and that, and that it also looks awesome. very cool
1: yeah that's what i'm saying like we saw one together and that was firstly it was so thick like you didn't ex- it was as thick as like uh i don't know like a pencil case like it was as thick as that like the width yeah. was that it was very thick, like it was much much thicker, like ten times the Im- I mean there's eight seasons so you there seemed to be eight different discs in front of each other yeah. um, but it's crazy though like that that what you said there like if you get access to all of those, I think it's worth it, I'm not gonna lie, I think it's worth it,
0: so as of january twenty twenty four should we come to let's come to a conclusion then are we in favor of collecting fiscal media or? Are we not in favor of it?
1: I am going to say that it's got their coffee hour stamp of approval. And I think it's something people should start doing.
0: Very good, because I was going to say I'm also in favor of it. So I doubt that opinion will change, but we could come back to this in, in a future episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, surely down the line we could say. Like, if it's a case where, okay, people, uh, where they see, okay, everyone's collecting it and they'll try to take advantage of it. They'll try to put less stuff in it, make it double the amount, the, the price, then I'd say it won't. But as of right now, Coffee Hour stamp of approval, my approval, your approval,
0: I'm all in. Very good. So before we wrap this up, just let me know what you've been watching lately.
1: So recently, I've actually not been watching a lot of shows. Uh, I've been focusing on some uni work and stuff like that, but uh, mostly Reacher. Mostly I've been watching Reacher, and I'm up to date with it as of right now, Ah. which is six episodes. And it's good, I'm telling you. like Every episode I watch, I still say it's good, but it's getting better and better.
0: I watched an episode last night, and don't spoil anything, I'll just tell you what happened. I think they robbed somewhere. They put on the balaclavas, they drove a car, into a place they robbed it and they dipped yeah that's where i'm up to
1: yeah yeah okay i think you watched episode four then i think you yeah well so was that the ending
0: of it yeah yeah that was the ending of the episode
1: yeah so you're two episodes behind uh but it's good though isn't it don't you feel like it's getting better every episode
0: i i just like that this season is set in more of an urban area there's a really good cop character from new york which i love um so yeah i think i mean it's a different beast to season one um and i would say it's more fast paced compared to that it's it's a bigger overriding overarching crime that they're investigating but yeah i'm I'm enjoying it it's very good
1: well it's also more of a group activity this one whereas the first one is mostly what is Rita gonna do what is his thoughts and the supporting characters are just there Exactly. But with this one, it's more of like a group activity. Everyone's doing one part. It's kind of like equal at some bit, and he's just like the main man. He's like the muscle of the group and the
0: brain of the group. Yeah, they've done something completely different for season two because it's not just a solo story in a way. It's this group story. And again, they pretty much knocked it out of the park. I was just thinking, actually, when I was watching it, whoever created the TV show, you know, the showrunner, the... Show runner, the the writer and the director, the producer, whoever has that job, it's probably one of the best jobs on the planet. I'm sure they probably say, no, it isn't because of the stress, this and that. But I mean, just what they create, I just absolutely love it.
1: I, I totally agree. Risha is very, very good. I highly recommend you watch episode five and six. We've got four more episodes to go. So within a calendar month from now, we should have the finale and we should finish it basically and give our final review on that.
0: Yeah, now, well, hold on, we did say that we were going to do a review. And yes, I will make sure that I'm all the way up to date before we do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. And I As I like, I'm two episodes ahead of you. I'll just say it's getting better every episode. Do you agree with that so far from one I wonderful? do. I do. It, yeah, it's gonna get better from there as well. Now. What else have you been watching? I know there's a specific show you want to talk about. So do you want to get into that?
0: So I've been watching two things. I've been re-watching a show called Mindhunter on Netflix with my partner because she hasn't seen it before. And it is very good. It is about this unit within the FBI who go around interviewing serial killers in the late 1970s. And it's just it's it's incredibly compelling. It, you know, you've got characters like Charles Manson in there, for example, and it's just the way that it's created, the way that it's shot, the vibe and Edward Kemper as well. Another serial killer. It's just fascinating to watch. And I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. And the other show that I'm watching is a game show on BBC One called The Traitors, and this is season two of The Traitors. Season one came out last year. It was a massive hit for BBC, one of the biggest of last year. But I never got around to watching it, and I always wanted to. And then it turned out it was so successful they had to do a season two. And so I was like, okay, I can I can pick up with this because it is a, it's a reality TV show. So I can just pick up with it. It's fine. It's a new season, a clean slate. And I have to say it's really, really good. I highly recommend it.
1: Okay, okay, that's pretty good. Now, Mindhunter I know of. I believe I've watched a few episodes years ago, though I don't really remember it now. If your partner's enjoying it, sorry to break it to her, but they've cancelled season two due to some budget issues. They have. Um, I- I'm not sure if it was exactly just budget problems, but like I think there may have been one or two other problems. The,
0: sure. Yeah, the, uh, the official line is that it-, it doesn't matter how well-reviewed the show is, the viewers don't justify the amount of money it costs to make it, which mm. is unfortunate. Although, it, I mean, never rule it out. A season three could happen one day.
1: Does it have a definitive ending
0: or is it like it needs a season three? It's It's a show where there is one underlying storyline throughout. And mm-hmm. so in that sense, it has a vision and maybe that vision pays off in season four or five and that underlying storyline is okay we are following these cop characters as these fbi agents sorry as they go around and interview these serial killers and it's based off a true story so we follow that and we go from serial killer to serial killer but every few episodes it cuts to an unnamed serial killer so we don't know who he is and him committing normal acts you know as in just going about his daily life. But what we do know is he's a serial killer. And what we also know is eventually they're going to investigate him. Mm. Um, But we just, those, those paths have never crossed yet. And that's why you need, you know, a season three, a season four, a season five. So it's so well made though, that I don't know, I could see it coming back one day. I'm Never going to rule it out. I see. I see.
1: I'm surprised you, I'm surprised you're not going to say you've read the books. Is the books on it?
0: It is based off a book. Um, I considered it, but then I thought it's a really bleak subject, reading about mm. serial killers, that I'm not sure if I actually want to go there. And also I was thinking, well, I'm watching the TV show. I've seen it before. So how much do I really need to know about this subject? So I decided not to get the book. Okay, okay, fair
1: enough. Now with the other one, with the traitors, yes. you'll have to watch season
0: one to watch season two you do not have to watch season one no
1: okay and so for which one would you say is better have you finished it yet
0: no no so uh three episodes are out right now and there are 12 episodes overall and they will be releasing three a week so the traitors will be releasing every week for the next three or four weeks from the time that this episode goes live and basically what the show is about is you have 22 contestants in a castle And three or four of them are traitors and the rest are faithful. And it's up to the faithful to figure out who the traitors are. And it's up to the traitors to murder the faithful. And if any traitors are left, they win the money. And if the faithful are left, they win the money. So they're essentially, you've got one group of people trying to eliminate the other through murdering them. And you've got the other group of people trying to figure out who the tracers are. And why Why it's so compelling is at the end of every episode, you have this round table where everyone sits around this table and they basically say who they think the tracers are. But of mm-hmm. course, you as a viewer, you already know who the tracers are. So they're, yeah. they're either completely off track or they're completely on track. And it's so tense. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's somewhat based on what you described to me. It somewhat sounds like you know the mafia games you play, in a way. The, I table, guess yeah, it feels like that, but like a reality TV version of it. And it's interesting but this is like more. It. I'd say this is more based on what you said. I haven't watched it, but this is more like physical in terms of rather than just sitting at a table and trying to find out who's who just by just talking. You'd actually go around doing things. I assume right.
0: Yeah, so throughout the episodes, there are also challenges. And in these challenges, you either earn money, which puts up the cash prize, and the cash prize starts at £150,000. Or in these challenges, there are certain medallions which protect you from being murdered that night. Now, Mm. of course, you can imagine, though, if someone goes out of their way to get a medallion, that sort of gets people against them. And if you have people against you, then they'll bring it up at the round table and then naturally because of how human nature is there's like that herd mentality where if someone brings your name up well it's just easier to vote for that name and so it it creates all these other dynamics when you're at the round table and that's that's really the linchpin of the show the round table that's what makes it so compelling to watch
1: yeah yeah yeah. okay i get what you mean i get what you mean okay so that's something i'll probably look into then i was looking for like a thing to watch after watching squid game the challenge like that's somewhat close as it's like a challenge game and like a show well
0: yeah it's it's made by the same production company as well
1: oh there you go then
0: so it's so yeah it's very good um doesn't have the same budget but (laughs) yeah i highly recommend it and it's on bbc one so you don't have to pay for any subscription fees you can either watch it on bbc one or bbc iplayer
1: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Now with this one, I can say it will be watched by next episode. I'll start watching it before the next episode. So I can give you my thoughts on it by then.
0: Very good. I finally have someone to talk about the traitors with. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. Absolutely. All right. Shall we wrap this up? All
1: right. Let's do this.
0: I have been your host, William Code. I'm your host, Asha. And thank you for listening to Coffee Hour.
1: See you on the next episode. Take care. Take care.